Harp on Sports with Seth Harp. You know what time it is. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Go, bartenders. Go, food needs refill. Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, and radio network. What do we have in store for you on this edition of the program? NFL halfway honors, halfway to the NFL season. We tell you who the MVP should be right now. Look at the playoff matchups as of right now, the beginning of the year. Where were we right? At least where we sit here as we've hit the halfway mark of the season. So we're going to look at all of those things and what could change in the second half. Rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, the whole nine yards. Also, oh boy, uh, some concern in the SEC. They've put a committee together exploring all the rushing of the field incidents. What to do? Uh, Is this really a debate? There's a way you fix this and fix it in a hurry. Okay. And it's not just finding people more money. It's a way to fix this. If the SEC was serious about this, there's one thing you can do that ends this immediately. So we're going to dive into that as well. Also, how fantastic, finessing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to find the right adjective to describe Gonzaga, realizing, hey, you know what? Owning the mountain or, or the um, West Coast Conference does us no good. We got, we got to challenge ourselves more if we want to be better in the postseason. Now, Gonzaga, look, you look at their track record going to Final Fours. The last seven or eight years, they've been to a couple Final Fours, lost some championship games. To, to me, Gonzaga, looking compared to other programs, are right up there with the other ones. That they've done better than Michigan State. They've done better than well, Kentucky the last seven or eight years. Just can't get over the hump. So is it really the conference they play in? Maybe they're just trying to strengthen their competition. I I like it. I like the fact that they're trying to date the Big 12 here, try to figure out what to do. But there's another conference they should marry. Gonzaga shouldn't join the Big 12. They should join what conference? We're going to tell you coming up here. Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio network, at Harp on Sports Twitter, at Harp on Sports Instagram. Also, you can get a hold of us via the auditory route, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Harp on Sports Facebook page. Harp on Sports, the YouTube channel, the bar, and of course, harponsports.com. Starting off with this, NFL halfway honors. We're at the halfway mark, and overall, look, some of our heavy hitters are up there in the AFC. Nothing really is shocking right now in the AFC, is it? I mean, the Bills are at the top, followed by the Titans and the Chiefs. Titans hold the tiebreaker, but they play this weekend, so that'll end that one way or another. You look around the AFC, you're like, all right, this is right where we thought everybody would be, right? I'm trying to find a shocker or a surprise right now in the AFC, and I, I really can't find one that and maybe the AFC West that we all the Broncos aren't as good as we thought. Small things like that. But at the top, we thought it'd be the Bills and the Chiefs. It is the Bills and the Chiefs. Other teams are hovering. We mentioned where the Titans are. The Titans are seemingly always there, right? The Ravens right there. And nobody thought, I don't think anybody thought realistically the Steelers were going to win that division, did they? The Bengals started off slow, but they've come on strong of late until they lost to the Browns. So I, I think the AFC is kind of right where we thought it would be. Not exactly 100%, but right where we thought it would be. The NFC's a mess. I mean, the NFC's not even close to what we thought, right? Eagles still undefeated. The last NFL undefeated team, three best teams in the AFC, NFC may all be in the East. Uh, Vikings are pretty good, right? But, I mean, think about that at the beginning of the year. If I had to come to you and said the Eagles and the Vikings are the top two seeds in the NFC, followed by the Rams and the Falcons, NFC's a jumbled mess. But looking at it structure-wise, where we sit today, the NFC, I, the most disappointing team's got to be the Bucks, right? Packers are a close 
number two behind. The Bucks have pretty much been healthy. The Packers lost their best wide receiver, right? And Devontae Adams. The Bucks didn't lose any major weapons offensively and have struggled. I mean, Mike Evans has been there pretty much every week, with the exception of the one that he was suspended, and they started off 2-0. and And sit here, what, losers a four in a row? Ugly. Packers, ugly situation there for them as well. But I went through and looked at this. Right now, the top seeds in both conferences, the Bills would be the one seed in a bye, the Eagles would be a one seed in a bye. Your games would be the Vikings, <laughs> right now, Vikings-Niners, Giants at Seahawks, Cowboys at Falcons. I still say the team that's going to be dangerous when it's all said and done is the 49ers. I think the 49ers will end up winning that division over the Seahawks. And then the Vikings hosting the Niners. Now that they got Christian McCaffrey sitting there at 4-4, four and four, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the, the, this team goes 7-2 and two down the stretch and sitting there 11-6 at the end of the year. They're not going to get up to the two seed. The Vikings are going to win that division. The top two seeds in the NFC, as far as I'm concerned, are over. I don't see any way anybody navigates that up there. I don't. So you're going to have to go through Minneapolis. You're going to have to go through Philly. Actually, I think the Vikings have a better chance of being the two seed when it's all said and done than anybody else. I, I look at the Cowboys and the Giants. I think have a better shot being a one seed. Just the way it's structured, right? And the Eagles have beaten the Vikings already. They're only loss. So I think the NFC, uh, okay. If I had to pick right now, I had to pick right now in the NFC. I'd pick the 49ers to beat the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. I think the 49ers are going to make that type of progress now that they've got everything on track. I do. Over in the AFC, it's a little bit different. The Titans host, or the Chiefs hosting the Titans on a bye. Derrick Henry runs the ball well, but I I don't, look. The Chiefs are holding that tiebreaker. The Bills on the tiebreaker over them. And look, right now, Bills would be sitting there hanging tight. Titans would host the Dolphins. The Chiefs would host the Jets, right? Is that where we are? So, uh, boy, looking at the AFC, try to tell you exactly where. Okay, I, I take that back. The Titans would host the Chargers. The Dolphins would go to Kansas City, and the Ravens would host the Jets. A little bit different feel in the AFC, right? Got the Fins, got the Chargers, got the Jets. A little bit different feel. I don't see anybody, with the exception of the Bills, beating Kansas City in Kansas City. And this year they play in Buffalo. Looking at it right now, realistically, I think you got the Bills over the Chiefs and you've got the 49ers over the Eagles. And I think the Bills win the Super Bowl. Look back to the beginning of the year, I had the Bills over the Packers. I had the Packers over the Rams and the Bills over the Chiefs. Preseason NFL MVP, I had Josh Allen. And I think Josh Allen's your MVP right now. I was looking at his numbers here, Josh Allen, 2,200 yards, 19 touchdowns, six picks, 306 yards rushing, two touchdowns. So Josh Allen's on pace for 500 yards rushing, what, 40 touchdowns, 12 picks. They keep winning. I think Josh Allen's your MVP. I'd have Patrick Mahomes second right now. You got 20 touchdowns, five picks, and he's thrown for 40 less yards. So it's Mahomes and Allen neck and neck. The difference in that game is Patrick Mahomes made a big interception at home. Josh Allen threw a touchdown pass. That's the difference to me in the MVP right now. It's interesting because third, I've got Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's on pace for 2,000 yards receiving, and his quarterback was gone for almost four games. Tyreek Hill's on pace for 2,000 yards receiving, and his quarterback's missed half of his games. You know, always talk about receivers. All the receivers aren't anything without the quarterback. Here's a guy that's done it with multiple quarterbacks. So if Tyreek Hill's putting up, he's on pace for 2,000 yards, and his star quarterback's missed half of the games, doesn't that tell you the receiver's the stud? Two is great. Two is great this year. Tyreek Hill has a lot to do with that. I had Tyreek Hill third, and I have Derrick Henry fourth. Derrick Henry again. 
on pace for 1,600 yards, 15 touchdowns. It just He's going to end up with 1,800 yards when it's all said and done, 20-plus touchdowns again. It's just so hard for a running back to win this award. It just is. But that's how I sit right now with that. Um, defensive player of the year, I you can do Zadarius Smith from the Vikings. Dude's on pace for 17, 18 sacks. And then Michael Parsons right there as well. Those two, I think, are neck and neck. And, you know, I rookie of the year is probably Damian Pierce. Going to make Gator fans sting a little bit. Didn't even start in Florida. Didn't, Dan Mullen and company, didn't, they used him terribly. <laughs> and now Damian Pierce is on pace for, what, 1,400 yards, like seven or eight touchdowns as a rookie with the Houston Texans. Look, if they could ever figure out the quarterback situation there, how bad they are this year, where they sit, you know, you you throw a Bryce Young into that situation, you throw a C.J. Stroud into that situation with that running back, and now you're on your way. Now you're on your way. In that division, that's kind of eh, anyway. Titans still rule that division. The Colts still trying to figure out what to do at quarterback, and Jaguars have their quarterback, but can't figure anything else out. Well, do they have their quarterback? Weird situation. So that's how I look at the NFL at the halfway point. Like, AFC, not chalk, but oh, okay. NFC's nothing what we expected at all. At all. Tale of two conferences, right? So that's how we see things lining themselves up there. I'm still saying the Bills win the Super Bowl. Still think they're the Super Bowl champs. NFC, watch out for the watch the Niners just tick, 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 climb up. The Niners are going to end up being the three seed. They're going to end up beating Minnesota, and they're going to end up beating the Eagles when it's all said and done. All right, switching gears from this, the NFL halfway honors, to a little, I, I wrote this down because I think it's so fascinating, SEC security fraud. The SEC as a conference has decided, oh, this field rushing has got to stop. we got to stop this field rushing. Everybody keeps running on the field. What are we going to do? Oh, really? The $50,000 fines is not a deterrent? All these schools are doing is go and start GoFundMe accounts and they make their money back in a day. Five, 50000 for the first, 100000 for the second, 250000 for the third. So now the SEC is putting, convening a committee to get together to prevent crowd invasions going forward. All right, well, what do you do? Two ways to do this. The easy way to do it is money, right? Change these fines. This is what I write for the next, in a six-year window, because it can't be in perpetuity. Just have a little fun with this. For a six-year window, first time your fans rush the field, it's a million bucks. Next time, it's two million. Third time, it's four million. That'll stop it. Well, you can't make it that much. Why not? Make the fine absurd and ridiculous. If you want to get rid of jaywalking and you find everybody $500,000 for jaywalking, that'd end it in a hurry. The fine has to be astronomical. Look what happens on airplanes when people act up on airplanes. And now we're getting to the point where $100,000 fines ban you for a year from flying, ban you for five years. Now we're getting there. To me, if you act up on an airplane and you throw a fit, you start mentioning terrorism and bombs and things like that, I'd ban you for life. Same thing here, make it hurt. These schools, oh, we got we to figure out what to do with fans running on the field. No, no, no. Look, there's one of two ways to do this. Million dollars, two million, four million. Football. Basketball, 500,000, a million, two million. Basketball's a little bit different. Not nearly the monetary value. Not nearly the amount of people. But still, rushing the court. And look, you know, you have Alabama players popping fans at Tennessee a couple weeks ago. And you got to keep the fans off the field. How do you do it? You have to have such a security presence there. and Oh, you can't do it. Of course you can. When's the last time you saw the fans rush the field in the NFL game? Baseball, they used to do it. Fans used to run on the field in baseball. But security's gotten so strong, it stops. It does. So, make it so ridiculous. The fine. Again, football. One million, two million, four million. Or if you're like, we can't do that. Fine. I got one way to fix it. 
Hey, SEC committee getting around. How do we, what do we do to stop, prevent crowd invasions of fields and courts? You ready for this? First time in football. First time crowd rushes the field in football, you lose three scholarships next year. Ooh. If the crowd rushes the field, we take away three scholarships, the SEC does. Uh, if they rush it a second time within a six-year stretch, we take away six scholarships the next time. They rush it a third time, we take away ten scholarships. If you're like, oh, you can't find them that much, start taking away scholarships. That'll end it. Basketball. You rush to court, we take away scholarship next year. In the next six years, after you do it once, you do it again, we're going to take away two scholarships. You do it again after that, we're going to take away four. Take four scholarships away from a basketball team? Good night. I'm going to either hit you financially or I'm going to hit you personnel. So no way to do it. What else are you going to do? You're going to scold people, shake your finger at them? You want to end fans rushing the field. You find the team a million dollars every time they do it. And look, these occur in the NBA when owners speak out against, remember when David Stern, owners would speak out against David Stern or rip NBA officials. David Stern would find Mark Cuban like $700,000, then a million dollars, end it. Okay, we're gonna you, you fans rush the field. We're gonna find you a million dollars, and then if you rush it again in the next six years, we're gonna find you two million. You can't do that; it's unrealistic. Okay, we'll take away three scholarships the first time you rush. We'll take away six the second time. That's how you do it. There, your big committee that you got together. How do we stop this? What's the penalty? Fifty thousand dollars. They give every. Think about this. Tennessee rushes the field. It's like, oh my god, what do we do? That place seats a hundred thousand dollars or hundred thousand people, right? So Tennessee, all you got to do, if it's a $100,000 fine, all Tennessee football has to do is say, if every fan donates a dollar at the next home game, we can pay the fine. See, all of a sudden, if you're asked, now it's a million-dollar fine, right? every fan's got to give 10 bucks. Okay. Okay, we can stomach that. Okay, next time it's a $2 million fine, now we're getting somewhere. Oh, and we're going to take scholarships away from you, too. It's got to sting. So the SEC's... Preventing crowd incursions committee or invasions. Fines. Fines and reductions of scholarships. So I handle that. Pretty simple. Something that's not simple. We'll pivot to this last. Gonzaga. Uh, look, good for Gonzaga to come out and say, you know what? Let's uh, we were, let's, we're gonna talk to the Big 12 about joining the conference in basketball. I give them credit. They can sit back in the Western Coast Conference and continue to coast. Win that thing. Split it with St. Mary's every four or five years. And continue to go 30 and three every year, 30 and two every year, be a one, two, or three seed, get in the tournament, win a couple games, and then you're not ready and battle tested. Now, this whole thing that Gonzaga can't play with the big boys, of course they can. They went to the final four, they went to the national championship game, got beat. Of course, they did it a couple times. Of course, they can play with the big boys. Yeah, they got boat raced by Baylor. They did. And they lost to North Carolina, what, six or seven years ago? They've gotten to championship games, just got beat. They've been to more championship games the last seven years than Kentucky has. Been to more championships the last seven years than UCLA has. Been to more championship games the last seven years than Duke has. Haven't they? Been to more championship games the last seven years than Indiana has, than Michigan State has. I can go through and find a bunch of blue bloods that they've been better than. Yeah, Kansas went to the championship game last year and won it before. Gonzaga's been to more championship games than Kansas has the last seven years. Been to more championship games than Arizona has. Think about the best programs in the last 25, 30, 40, 50 years in basketball. Gonzaga's been to many Final Fours and championships is 90% of them. But they want better competition during the year to prepare them. I like it. Big 12's the wrong place. It is. 
Gonzaga should join the Big East. Hot? Yeah. East Coast. Have you paid attention to where a lot of these teams in the Big East are? Creighton is in Omaha. Nebraska. Not exactly the East Coast. Butler is in Indianapolis. Think about if you join the Big 12. You're playing the likes of what? Gonzaga's traveling all the way to Texas. By flight, it's just as close to go to Indianapolis. By Butler. Creighton is closer than Iowa State. Now, look, there's certain schools in the Big 12 that, you know, Texas Tech. Now, look, I'm talking about the westernmost schools, aren't I, in the Big East? Look, Xavier's in Cincinnati. Now, look, you have Seton Hall. I get it. I You've got Providence. I, I get that there's some East Coast teams in there. You bet. But, if you know, Gonzaga joins the Big 12 in basketball. Okay, yeah, it's a good conference, right? It's a conference that gave us the last two national champions in Baylor and Kansas. Three years ago, it put Texas Tech in the championship game, well, before COVID. The last three NCAA basketball tournaments, two have been won by Big 12 teams. The other Big 12 team went into overtime and lost to Virginia and out of the ACC. So it's been a good run for this conference. So I get it. I just think Gonzaga lines up better with the Big East, the Xaviers, the Marquettes, the Butlers, the Creightons. I think that would that, that's a good run for Gonzaga here. It is. Well, it's not really the East. Well, I got news for you, gang. Marquette is in Milwaukee, not exactly an East Coast team. And Milwaukee's on the East Coast, or they're on the coast, the Eastern Coast, at least the state's Eastern Coast, of Lake Michigan. Not the Atlantic Ocean. So Marquette, Creighton, Butler, Xavier. And look, how would it work, Gonzaga? They'd go play two road games. Then they'd go play two home games. I see how it's gonna it's gonna be difficult, right? You go on a Wednesday night and you play Butler, then on Saturday night, you're you fly, you just spend the whole week away from home. Then Saturday you're in to Seton Hall. Then back to Washington, you have a couple home games. It'd be, it'd be, it'd, you have to finesse it a bit. But let's face it, Gonzaga to Texas, is it Gonzaga to Austin, Gonzaga to Houston, Gonzaga to West Virginia? West Virginia's in the Big 12. Half the schools, or close to half the schools in the Big East, are closer to Gonzaga than West Virginia. Cincinnati's going to join the conference. Xavier, Cincinnati, same city. Again, I like what Gonzaga's doing. The Big East is a better fit than the Big 12. But I like it. Should leave the um, West Coast Conference. You bet. Now what I really like to see is multiple teams. I'd like to see, because San Diego State's been playing really well. I, you know, I'd like to see a situation where like UNLV, San Diego State, and Gonzaga all join the Big East. But I, I think it's far-fetched. And how the Pac-12 hasn't snapped up UNLV yet in football and basketball with UCLA and USC leaving, what Vegas is going to mean with the new football stadium and how that city is growing, how the Pac-12 hasn't snapped them up yet. It's beyond me. Big 12 should be all over UNLV, all over football and basketball, every sport. Harbaugh Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio network. Follow, share, like, subscribe. At Harpon Sports Twitter, at Harpon Sports Instagram. Follow us. Great content there. Again, Harfod Sports, Auditory Route, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcasts for The Bar, Harpon Sports YouTube channel, The Bar, Harpon Sports, the Facebook page, and of course, HarponSports.com. Remember, 
Stay clean, stay focused, stay strong. Frankenstein, have fun with your friends.